Welcome back to the WMUA Sports Football Show. Josh Schreiber here alongside me, Jacob Repper, Pedro Gray Suarez, John Ruggiero, and Brennan McGrevy. We are finally back in the WMUA studio for some in-person football show, guys. How's it going? I'm super excited to be back. It's going good. A lot of hot weather here with... With the sun out, almost 90 degrees, I think we hit today, Fells, in the first week of classes. Hope everyone's doing pretty well and not, not failing just yet. Looking at you, John. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're getting there, Jacob. But, you know, as you said, it's the, the heat's not, not helping too much. But it's good to be back in Amherst and getting ready to talk about some football. Good to be back. Yeah, it's great to be back here in Amherst. Um, definitely hot weather out there, but staying cool, drinking enough water, and eating the number one dining hall food in the United States. So, yeah, go UMass. I mean, classes seem to be uh, not optimal, but at least, you know, <laughs> it's, it I mean, seems it depends like some if of you them are going to be enjoyable. Depends huh? if you have AC in some of those classes, but yeah. we do have AC here in the WMUA studio. And, guys, let's just get right into... The Auburn game this past weekend, obviously not the result that UMass fans wanted, that UMass, uh, that, that the team wanted, but um, definitely there were some silver linings in that game. Some of the offense looked sharp at times. The first drive before Tyson Pumachan got hurt looked really good. Um, so, Jacob, I'll start with you just because, you know, we were there. How did that, how, how did it feel from a, future perspective obviously they're not going to necessarily compete against auburn but with a much easier schedule coming up how do you see that think they fare so what are my takeaways from from basically last week so i think when you look at that game and if you watch it there's two takeaways primarily you can either go the route of saying this was a horrible display from umass they're terrible they're going to lose out or you could go the route and more of a humble round saying listen this was an auburn team that is physically superior they have great coaching. They have great staff. It's an electric environment. They're going into a stadium that had 89,000 people. The takeaway is that UMass played some good football in the beginning. Pumachan got pulled later. They had some good displays, especially in the run game. Ultimately, it came down to the fact that UMass was away on the road at Auburn. The inevitable is going to happen. And, the, and when you just analyze the positives and the silver lining, it's that UMass competed, they're 1-1, one and, one, and they have a chance to come into Miami, Ohio this Saturday and get a victory. Honestly, the fact that we're even debating that this was a shameful performance or not shows how far this, this team has come in such a short period of time over the last year or so. And, you know, the fact that they were expected to even do better than this, is it, it says a lot about where the program is after just two games. Uh, there's positives to be taken away. I mean, my fa- my favorite uh, highlight of this game, if there is any, is Kieran Lynch Adams with another great performance. After I will admit, I might have doubted him a little bit in the in the off season process. I thought Greg DeRosier would have been a, a better fit for the for the offense, but he's proven me wrong entirely, and he's had two great games so far. Perhaps the only contributor in the offense who has had both uh, or good performances in both weeks. So that would be my positive takeaway from the trip. Yeah, you're right, Pedro. Caron had you know 101 yards on the ground last week. That's career high for him, and that's even coming off a great New Mexico State game. So, and I, I think the hype was there because UMass was able to pull out the victory at 
New Mexico State, you know, the fans were, they wanted them to win so bad. And I think it just goes to show, you know, like you talk about people are like, oh, this was a terrible performance. People want this team to win and they know they can win. And I, I think that's why, you know, UMass Twitter was kind of freaking out a little bit. <laughs> but I think, as you said, Jacob, you know, Auburn's a, just a, a great program. They, they've been doing this for a while, a great coach. And, and Hugh Freeze, uh, he's known to turn programs around. So, you know, it, it, it's a, it was a tough matchup all the way. Yeah, I mean, the, the UMass offense did look really good on that first drive in the Auburn game, like you guys were saying. But um, the defense on that first drive struggled a little bit, allowing the touchdown. But I was really proud of the defense for only allowing the field goal on the second drive for Auburn. It showed that the defense can make some big plays and some stops when they need to. But obviously, Auburn, a really good team, plays in the sec, you know, against Alabama and some really hard teams. Um, but I think, you know, this program's really turning around. They got some good players, good people from the transfer portal. And Don Brown knows what he's doing, you know, um, and he's going to turn this program around. Yeah, I mean, there's one guy that, John, you brought up, Karon Lynch-Adams or Pedro as well. Karon Lynch-Adams was really the best part of this offense against Auburn with 14 carries for over 100 yards. And it felt like that there were times where the only time, even at the end of the game, towards the end of the game in the second half when they were able to move the ball, was when they gave the ball to Lynch Adams. And he did break off a couple big runs towards the end of the game where it was a lot of three and outs and a lot of just ugly offense. But the only times that we saw some po- real positive plays were made by Lynch Adams. Yeah, Lynch Adams is the guy. And I actually agree with Pedro what he said before. It was a little in question, at least to me, if Lynch Adams was going to be their running back one, especially with the great camp that that the other running back in Greg DeWozier had in the spring. I thought he had a really profound spring. But Lynch Adams is the guy. He rushed for 100 and I believe he was 180 yards in the past two games. He was dominant. And towards the tail end of that stretch, like you said, Josh, that's a guy that's not going to give up. He kept running hard on the ground. He was open in the passing routes. Unfortunately, Pumachan was pulled out of that, so that limited his accessibility in the passing game. But he's a real dog, and UMass has to find a way to incorporate him into this entire game plan. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and another thing just to keep in mind is that, again, this Auburn front seven torched UMass all day long. I mean, the offensive line of the Minutemen had a lot of problems in terms of just trying to stop the constant pressure. Um, But then it makes matters worse when your quarterback, who I'm seeing a lot on social media, people saying, you know, Tyson Pumachan, why have him in? Which is a fair argument when he's battling an injury. Like, people are saying he is a running quarterback. I don't. I, I think he is a run-first quarterback, but I don't think he's at all incapable of throwing passes as well. The thing that I had the problem with was maybe you can get away with that against a team like, you know, a Merrimack who you have coming up on your schedule, an Arkansas State who you have coming up on your schedule, New Mexico. But when you're playing a team in Auburn that is getting constant pressure – your quarterback needs to be able to move or get the ball out really quickly. And neither of those things were – Pumachan was not able to accomplish any either of those things. So that's where it felt like Carlos Davis was better fit. He came in um, and did look a bit better, but that was also against a second and third string 
defense. So, um, any more takeaways from the Auburn game? Yeah, I do have one. Uh, I was looking at the play-by-play of the game in terms of the by-quarter breakdown, and it seems that Auburn had two punts in the whole game. Yep. And that's not ideal when you're when one of the keys to the game coming into it, people have said it, we said it, it's one of the most important things you have to do is taking care of the ball. You know, you turn it over and then you can't get a stop on defense, you're never going to be in the game, especially against a team that is bigger and faster than you all across the board. So that'll be as we transition a little bit into Miami now, but I think that'll be one of my keys to the game for the Miami game, not to get ahead too much, but that's something UMass did not do well against Auburn. It, killed them a little bit and once again penalties proved to be a problem once again after two weeks of play and uh yeah i mean it's you kind of you kind of have to take care of the ball and and get stops on defense because your offense is not a powerhouse so mm-hmm. umass did not do that against auburn and they suffered for it and what don brown said at the press conference we were at pedro was talking about the defense not being able to get off the field it was something like auburn was six for ten i think it was in third down conversions and don brown stress that over and over of like that is not our identity as a team he said you know all three phases were just not good they did not get the job done special teams offense defense and special teams has been a problem for a little while but it it really did show against Auburn and I think that's a problem that could be a little bigger once you get into playing a team like Miami, Ohio, who has a very good kicker, has a very solid punter, and that type of thing. Yeah, uh, you guys uh, mentioned special teams, and I feel like um, in the first quarter, those uh, kickoffs kind of really set the tone for the game. Uh, Auburn got big uh, runs on the on the kickoffs. Um, they got up to like the 40-yard line, I think, on two different kickoffs twice, and on um, when we caught the or you when UMass caught the ball to Rosie, I tried to run it back. He was yeah. hit down at like the fifteen. So that that kind of obviously you know UMass had that great drive to start the game, but I feel like that just kind of set the tone a, a negative. You know, oh <laughs> this team is serious and we're not prepared or we're not good enough, and you know that that just goes back to playing all facets of the game. You know, uh, special teams is is very important, and you mentioned it. You know, Miami Miami of Ohio Ohio has a a great kicker, and you know special teams will be important. And I also want to say that Coach uh, Brown talks a lot about executing, and that's something that the Minutemen just didn't do very well of third down. They went one for nine, and fourth down they went over for two. That's something that they have to fix. And adding on to what Pedro said about the penalties, I also think that's very important because UMass had nine penalties last game. It cost them around 70 yards, and previously against New Mexico State they had eight penalties. That's something that just cannot happen, whether it's Auburn or it's Miami, Ohio, you can't take that many penalties. You're just shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, and like we were saying, Jacob, I think you got to clean up, you know, you're, you can't beat yourself, you know. You're pl- playing in an opponent, and if you're committing sloppy penalties, not winning in the trenches, it can definitely be tough to win. And especially on special teams, you know, getting good field position and not allowing big runbacks is definitely something that will need to be worked on. But I'm proud of the first quarter that UMass played against Auburn only allowing 10 points and scoring a touchdown themselves but then of course the game slipped away from them but I think this team is going in the right direction yeah definitely the most optimism that there has been going into a home opener for UMass in at least recent memory but possibly maybe even in FBS history so um, 
that I think we can move on from Auburn, and before we can go, we go into Miami, Ohio. There were some kind of some crazy games around the country, um, and the one we were kind of talking about before we got on air was the Colorado game, and just what Colorado is doing right now under Coach Deion Sanders and Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter, what they're doing could change the college football landscape. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at Shadir Sanders, he threw for 510 yards, had over an 80% completioning, no interceptions, and four touchdowns. And Colorado had four players with over 100 receiving yards. And again, Travis Hunter having over 100 receiving yards and an interception. I think he was the first player to do this since Chris Gamble, former NFL player when he was in college, and um, another player that can't come to mind right now. But it's just the Colorado team looks really good, and Coach Prime is talking up the hype, and he's back in the talk, and it's awesome to see. Yeah, the, the thing I'm interested to see is, is the Colorado team actually legit, or is TCU going to struggle this year? Because we know TCU, they, they did have some problems on defense last season, and you know they lost quite a few pieces offensively, whether it was, you talk about a Heisman candidate in Max Duggan or uh, Kendra, Mil- uh, Kendra Miller or quentin johnston and there's a lot of offensive firepower they lost but offense wasn't really their struggle last week it was their defense so um i think after the these next few weeks should be key but it's also kind of a year where a lot of the top teams in the country are switching quarterbacks like a lot of the best teams have new quarterbacks from last season where you know guys like cj stroud are gone bryce young um Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, as we mentioned. But a lot of those guys are gone, and it's kind of just been a wait-and-see type of thing of which guy is going to come out on top. But it feels like we have a ton of talent. Do you guys have a favorite quarterback that you're watching out for this season? Uh, Before I just go on and say my favorite quarterback, I just want to say something about Colorado, which, first of all, I kind of want to pat myself on the back a little bit because towards the end of last year, I I was given a lot of – uh, crap for excuse me the language but <laughs> for you know I had a really hot take which was I just thought the rate of the talent acquisition that they have and I think it's totally sustainable and it, the rate of the talent acquisition and the turnaround that they had I think they're going to be competing for potentially national t- championships and, and playoff spots within the next two to three years yeah and I think that's it's astounding the progress that they've already had by scoring that many just beating the team that went to the national championship last year, given they're not, TCU is obviously not that strong. You mentioned that, but, or not as strong, but, you know, the performance that they had, it's, it, it shows, you know, the unpredictability a little bit that we love in college football. But to go to the quarterbacks, uh, I will give you one sleeper pick for Heisman and my favorite quarterback to watch. Uh, the first to answer would be Michael Penix. I you think, took mine, Pedro. I love can, Michael Penix. No, I love it. Keep going. Can, talk you about You can him. expand on him. I'll just say that he's incredibly underrated and has been very disrespected for a bit. But uh, it's a shame that the Pac-12 has got so many great quarterbacks right now uh, going for them. And perhaps the most entertaining league at the moment, or one of the most entertaining leagues in college, college Ironically, football. Ironically, yeah. And they will be going away soon. So that's kind of sad, but... Uh, then my favorite quarterback to watch, the best quarterback in the nation, Caleb Williams. I'm not going to expand on that. But, yeah, I mean, love to watch Colorado. 
And, yeah, there's a lot of fun teams going around college football now. Yeah, and I do want to talk about Michael Penix because a few years ago, when I think he was a redshirt freshman for Indiana, I was watching him play against play a game against Ohio State. And at the time, Indiana was not any good. I mean, they're still not any good, but <laughs> they it's not like they were being talked about nationally at the time. And I saw Michael Penix. They, he kept Indiana in the game against a very solid Ohio State team. And I was just watching the game like, who is this guy? Why have I never heard of him? You know, lefty. Um, he can run. He throws these NFL caliber throws. Like, he is a... I, I think if he came out of the draft last year, he would have been a top five pick. Um, or, like, top five talent. I'll say that. Like, if, if you... If you moved the draft to this coming year and Penix could enter the draft, I genuinely think he would be the best quarterback in the class. But some of the throws, I was so confused why he wasn't getting the hype. And over time, the hype started to come, had a great year at Washington, has battled some injuries. But I'm so happy to see him having this success. It's Unbelievable, and I, I no, I don't think he's going to win the Heisman. I think it'll probably be Caleb Williams to run away th- way, way with it. I think Caleb Williams might be the best football, uh, best quarterback prospect we've ever seen. But man, Michael Penix can play. I don't know if anyone has other quarterback takes they want to throw out there. Not necessarily a quarterback take, but if Travis Hunter keeps it up, do you guys think potentially he could win Heisman? I know the odds drop. I believe it's from eight thousand to like. 2200 or something like that here's the thing i think it's i i think in a normal year yes 100 percent, he would have a great chance at heisman but i don't know if a wide receiver i think Devonte smith was the first receiver to win heisman or was where i don't i'm not exactly sure there have not been a lot of wide receivers to win heisman right and obviously he does more than just be a wide receiver but I think in a normal year, he would have a good chance. I think this year, not really, because, I mean, the list goes on with Drake May, uh, Michael Penix, um, Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams, who I was just um, rambling about. But, I mean, there's so many guys that you could talk about, even like some sleeper guys like Spencer Rattler or um, um, even like a Jaden Milton or something like that. But, um I don't know. I I really want to see him have a Heisman season. It'd be pretty awesome, you know. It'd be like the, the Shohei, Shohei, yeah, Shohei of college football. Yeah. I will say something though. One thing you compared, you know, you said Travis Hunter maybe winning the Heisman has any wide receiver ever won it other than Devonta Smith? I looked it up. There's three wide receivers to ever win it, but Travis Hunter is not just a wide receiver. Right. No. One hundred percent. He is the best cornerback, in, <laughs> or one of the best cornerbacks yeah. in college football too. So you know he's got that going for him, and he's probably going to have better a better chance at winning. And if he keeps these up, keeps keeps this up, excuse me, a uh, better chance of winning the Heisman Trophy than any other wide receiver might have. And he has um, a pretty good mentor there. All right. <laughs> and yes. Deion Sanders, you know, one of the best Brian. to ever do it. My question is with Hunter is. When he if he keeps playing over hundred snaps yep. a game, is he going to is he gonna be able to preserve his body or is he gonna burn out, right? The college football mm-hmm. season, it's a long season, a lot of grit. He's gonna be taking a lot of beatings down, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And the other thing with me too is people are praising Coach Prime and he deserves a lot of the, the credit and the hype. I just don't know if you can 
put a fine point on a team, and especially a player, just one week into the season. I still think it's very early. That's not to say that Coach Prime, everything that, that he's done, isn't uh, isn't deserving. But I still think it's very early to be elaborating on teams and where they're going to go. Yeah, I, I do think it is early, and I think you know one of the bigger questions for Colorado were the non-skill positions and if they're solid enough um and a 45 42 shootout you know i don't think they're going to com- be competing for a national title this year they do have a pretty tough schedule i think there's they still have five more ranked teams as of right now on their schedule so i don't know but hey, the reports were and travis hunter was saying that you know he wasn't tired at all after the game and he could have played longer he could have played the next game uh right after it and you know, I maybe some of that's adrenaline, some of that is going to wear off, but I don't know. I I mean, it was a very exhausting game. Like, I don't know how many more exhausting games they'll have than a 45-42 to 42 shootout in week one. But, yeah, go ahead, Pedro. Mark your calendars for September 30th when they play USC. Oh so God. I think that that's would gonna be, be one of the most insane offensive battles we've seen in a long time. Yeah. And USC not known for their defense either, so <laughs> I think we could see a couple fifties at least on the board, maybe. So uh, we'll see about. Reminds that. me of that game where we saw Texas Tech play yep. Oklahoma. Was Oklahoma, it? Yeah, yeah, with Baker, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield and uh, Patrick Mahomes, yep. right? When oh, they yeah. went for seventy plus each. Yeah. I think uh, one thing to keep in mind is. Uh, Travis Hunter also played offense and defense at Jackson State, so if he could maintain it there, it'd be interesting to see if he can keep it up, you know, in the FBS and with a tough schedule on opponents. Yep. But it'll be cool to see. I know it was only week one, but I'm excited to see where the team goes. They're hyped for sure. Yeah, Colorado, the talk of the college football world. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we will preview the matchup between Miami of Ohio and UMass. Um, but before that, here's a couple messages. You're listening to UMass Football on WMUA Sports. Ladies and gentlemen and others, we here at WMUA love you just the way you are, which is why you should always wear a helmet when riding a bicycle. All it takes is one distracted driver for you to be left with potentially severe injuries. And if you're in a full-body cast, it'll be extra difficult for you to tune in to 91.1 WMUA. Interested in joining WMUA, the student-run college radio station at UMass Amherst? Whether you're interested in pursuing a career in broadcast journalism, you have a passion for music, or you're just looking for a space on campus to call your own, WMUA is the place for you. From music and news to sports and public affairs programming, students of all majors and interests are encouraged to contact us today. To find out how to get involved, email us at WMUProduction at UMass.edu. Tell us what you're all about. Before you know it, it'll be your voice broadcasting here on 91.1 WMUA, the radio voice of UMass Amherst. This is UMass Football on WMUA Sports.
Welcome back to the WMUA Sports Football Show. Josh Schreiber here with Jacob Repper, Pedro Gray Suarez, John Ruggiero, and Brennan McGrevy. A packed house here on the first day back in the WMUA studio. And guys, big time matchup coming up for UMass. Are they legit? Or is it just, was week zero just another fluke? So we'll kind of get a better idea after the Miami Ohio game. But guys, this is a pretty solid Miami team where, you know, you don't get a huge gauge on where they're at after the Miami game that they played, a Miami matchup between Miami of Ohio and Miami, Florida. But what are your expectations for this game? I am really excited to see how two teams that are so similar play against one another in, in, in a matchup where, you know, as I said, both teams are similar. But Chuck Martin, the Miami of Ohio coach, is, is like very similar to Don Brown in a way. He's a really good defensive coach with the secondary as his strength at the moment. And that's a little bit around where UMass is sitting at. In a way, Miami of Ohio is exactly what UMass wanted to be in the best-case scenario this season. A really strong defensive team with an offense that is good enough. And I'm really curious to see if the Minutemen are going to be able to establish the run game and you know threaten a little bit with the pass, passing game and if they're going to be able to learn from what Miami Florida did to and how Miami Florida treated their opponent last week because the score of that game was 38 to 3 I mm-hmm. believe yep and Miami of Ohio had barely 50 rushing yards or something like that yeah and coming into the season it was a big a big big weakness for them was you know is the rushing attack good enough to to sustain leads and to to remain in games so we'll see where they stand in that department but in terms of general thoughts about that matchup i think umass should not be expected to win this game because those two programs are similar but they're in a very different they're in very different uh places in their timeline currently but if UMass overperforms they can come out of come out uh, I forget what the spread is but they can come away with a win possibly and that would be huge as it would be the first time they start 2 and 1 in their FPS history so it's a it's a huge game really for both teams yeah and i believe the spread there was 7 they opened as 7 and a half point underdogs UMass did so um not favored to win, but Miami of Ohio, you know, it does feel like UMass should have a really good chance to win this game. The biggest question will be, is Tyson Pumachon going to be healthy or will they go with Carlos Davis? And I honestly think if Pumachon is not fully healthy, they probably should go with Davis just because, you know, I'd rather put in a healthy quarterback that I do think Pumachon is better but I, I don't think he's that much better where you can really say that he's giving you a better chance to win on you know one leg and 50% of his other leg compared to Carlos Davis, who's fully healthy and clearly itching for a starting job, especially after the pretty solid performance he had when he came in against Auburn. And Josh, before the show, you said to me that you hope it rains Saturday. Is there any reason why you said that? Yeah, well, I mean, I watched the Miami of Ohio versus Miami game. And sure, it's Miami. It's they have the I believe it was the third best portal um, recruitment 
of the offseason of any team in the country. And they have some really solid guys up front, but they ran the ball all over Miami of Ohio. And it was a lot of misdirections and stuff like that where Miami is a more, I guess, not new team, like not young team, but there are a lot of transfers. They haven't quite gelled yet. So maybe they got some of those, um, some of that rust shaken off in week one, but it really seemed like they were falling for a lot of misdirection run plays that UMass could capitalize on. And these are plays that UMass specializes in. Coach Kasula loves running, you know, end arounds, fake end arounds, counter plays, uh, have two running backs in the backfield and have like a speed option type of play. So I think that they match up really well against Miami of Ohio. It's just a matter of can the defense step up in this game and stop Gabbert and stop um, Gage Larvadane, who is an incredible receiver. I mean, he is the type of guy where when you put the ball in his hands, just keep an eye out for him. He'll be number 10 slot receiver for Miami. He is definitely the real deal. So I think that UMass really has to key in on him because he could he could hurt them. And I think UMass also has to look out for Graham Nicholson, the kicker for Miami of Ohio. Yep as he hit a 48-yard field goal against Miami University. So they can, if they get in the, within the 50 range, they might go for it and just kick it with him because he's a reliable kicker for them. Yeah, and he, he cleared that 48-yard field goal. I was watching it, and a lot of times with these smaller schools, you don't expect their special teams, like their kickers and their punters, to, be, to have the strongest leg just because, you know, there's only so many elite kickers. But, I mean... Their kicker, what was it? You said Nicholson? Yeah, Graham Nicholson, yeah. 48 yards. That 48-yarder, I was watching it. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, UMass would not go for a 48-yard field goal, period. But, I mean, Nicholson got that one off, and it probably would have been good from, you know, 55 yards away at least. So, yeah, go ahead, Pedro. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry about that. No, all good. But basically, I wanted to say that I really like that take that if it rains, that would be huge for UMass. And I don't know what the probability is, but it would really play into UMass's, uh, not strengths, but it would really be bad for Miami's mm-hmm. strengths on offense because they don't have a run game, as we said. And their passing game is so dangerous because Brett Gabbert, he was injured all of last year, pretty much, except for the first game where he has, he played amazing, by the way. But the previous year, he finished with 26 touchdown passes and just six interceptions, and he was one of the best quarterbacks in the MAC. They won the MAC, I believe, or maybe they no, they went to a bowl game, but they won the MAC the previous season. Excuse yeah. me. But um, if they can allow him to dissect the off the UMass defense, I mean, they couldn't stop Peyton Thorne and the Auburn passing offense. They didn't have an answer, so I don't think they would with this Red Hawks offense that has Gabbert and they have an incredible receiving core. I mean, you mentioned number 10. He's an absolute weapon. But then they have outside a 6'5", 215-pound tight end hybrid uh, with Nate Mirsch. I don't know. Mirsch? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm not sure either. But they also have Miles Marshall, who's an incredible deep threat outside. And Kevin Davis uh, is also another interesting piece. Um so the passing game is it could really really hurt UMass even though the secondary might be the the strength of the Don Brown defense. So 
if they can keep them on the run game, that would be huge for UMass. Yeah, that's a great point, Pedro. My big question for UMass is the linebackers really struggled last week against Auburn, especially when they brought in Robbie Ashford to come in and he started running these quarterback draws. It was a nightmare for UMass. Pedro, do you think Don Brown is going to switch up his plan of attack when it comes to Miami, Ohio, if they're going to rush the ball or if they're going to run it? I don't know. I, I think I don't think it would because I think Don Brown is very stout in how he wants his defense to work, and obviously he's going to make adjustments. But um, he has a lot to learn from that Auburn game, and he has a lot to apply into this game because I forgot his name. Uh, maybe I should look that up before responding. But uh, Miami of Ohio, I believe, also has a second quarterback yep. that they Avion can use who Smith. also exactly who also runs really well. So mm-hmm. they have the same similar. Uh, rushing threat aspect on, and you the could quarterback see position. a similar game plan from what we saw at auburn yeah. where you know maybe they bring in smith for more running downs and like when they get into the red zone because he is also capable of being a passer has an 11 to 5 inter- touchdown to interception ratio in his career so um excited to see kind of how miami of ohio plans to you know attack this umass defense because honestly i I didn't hate the passing defense from UMass against Auburn. Auburn just ran the ball so much against them and so well where it was like, you know, the pass, the passing defense wasn't exactly, it didn't really matter. So I do think that this Miami of Ohio plays into their strengths a little bit, especially if it's going to rain. So, you know, we'll we'll see. They They definitely, Jerry Roberts, I think, needs to get healthy because he is, I, I think we saw just how important he was to this defense um, because you know he didn't have a he didn't have a game where his stats showed off in the New Mexico State game, but I do think he was kind of just everywhere on the field, clogging up holes and making it harder for uh, New Mexico State to move the ball. So, yeah, especially if Miami Ohio is going to run that up tempo offense that we saw out of Auburn, especially with no Jerry Roberts, it seemed like UMass's defense was just scrambling trying oh my to, God, to yeah, fill there, the holes. They didn't have the time. There were so many times where it was like Jordan Mahoney would be like yelling at his teammates because there was a receiver lined up in the slot and there was no one on him. So, if I mean that, first of all, that's a tell to the offense that it's going to be man coverage. First of all, but second of all, it's just. The offense clearly sees that, and they're just going to keep going faster and faster. Um, and they were completely unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But uh, not not to backtrack a little bit, I didn't want to interrupt you guys. That was some good conversation there. But I, I think it's really going to come down to K-Ron once again. I'm really high on K-Ron. Yeah. Um, you know, great game last weekend, great game before so or against New Mexico State. But it, as you mentioned, Josh, hopefully it rains, and hopefully – uh, Kieran can keep going, especially with the question marks at the quarterback position. And I guess you can kind of uh, say it's a question mark for Miami of Ohio and their QB position as well, because obviously Gabbard is coming off a, a big uh, injury with his shoulder, only put up three points uh, last week. Obviously, that was against a great Miami team, but who knows? I mean, anything could happen um, in Amherst this Saturday. Also, keep in mind, guys, even though the rain would affect, we think at least it would affect my Emmy Ohio a little bit more, if Pumachan is not playing Saturday, it would probably Davis. And Davis loves to throw the ball. He does not love to scramble out of the pocket. Can he do it? Yes, he can. So then that would really place an emphasis on on Karon Adams and, and Greg DeWozier to really secure this game for the Minimat. Yeah, definitely. And 
I, I do think that they're going to use Carlos Davis much differently than what he was than how they used him at Western Carolina because he is has burning speed. I mean, and he is the type of guy that he does like to pass, but UMass does not like to pass. So uh, they're gonna try, UMass tries to keep the job pretty easy for the quarterbacks in terms of like RPOs and um, options and stuff like that. So. It's a very interesting game. I'm super excited. You guys can catch that on 91.1 WMUA Sports. We will send out that link on Twitter, um, but just keep an eye on that. So um, let's get into some score predictions before we finish off. But you guys have heard a lot about this matchup coming up. Going to be super exciting. Jacob, how about you start us off? All right, let's see. I'm going to go. I think UMass is going to come out here. I think they just got rattled up by Auburn. And and the same thing applies for Miami, Ohio. They got rattled up by a, a more physical and dominant force in Miami, Florida. So I think they're, gonna, they're both going to come out with some steam. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the home opener for the Minutemen. UMass is 6-0 and in home, and o- home openers with Don Brown. I think UMass gets the win. I'm going to go 21-14. It's a conventional score. I think UMass is going to get the dub. Uh, that's very similar to what uh, I was going to predict. And I think, um, honestly, I think it's going to be not a shootout, but a bit of a defensive battle. So they're going to keep it probably under 25-30 on both sides. And I'm expecting a little bit more on the UMass offensive side than I am on Miami of Ohio's uh, just because I think the home opener plays a big role and you know UMass is coming back from that Auburn trip with uh, a lot of lessons learned and hopefully for them getting uh, a little bit more healthy so I'm just gonna say 27 UMass and that's me being as optimistic as I could in this moment and uh, 17 Miami of Ohio all right. So two no, low scores. I'll make scores. a change. Excuse me. I'll make Go a ahead. change. 20, 27 to 21. 20, 27, 21. Okay. So a little more high scoring. Um, you know, I've bounced back and forth a little bit here. I, I think if Pumachan, if you could guarantee me right now, Pumachan is healthy and yes. he is going to play, I think that UMass matches up real, real well against Miami of Ohio. So I would say. I think they can put up 30 points. I think it could be like a 31 to 20, 27 type of game. Um, since you can't guarantee me that, and since we don't know what the weather is going to be like, I think it's going to be closer to, you know, like a, I'm going to say 23 um, 21. UMass does end up picking up the win, but I. I'm a little bit hesitant to say that just because I don't know about Pumachan. And there's so much uncertainty about Carlos Davis where I don't feel great if Carlos Davis is the starter. I, you guys were much higher on him than I was in the offseason. Um, I, I think that he has certainly improved since Western Carolina. I was very impressed by what I saw from him in practice. But practice is different than the games. We know that. So um, we'll see. He did get into the Auburn game. I think that helps him a lot. Um, I think if this were his first time playing, I'd feel way worse about it. But I think he will be good enough to get the win. So let me just add a wrinkle here. If Carlos, not Carlos Pumachan, geez. If Tyson Pumachan does not play 
uh, I will change my prediction to if he does, then it's what I said earlier. But if not, I think Miami of Ohio takes it around 22 to 18. Yeah, that, that's that about what I was thinking. But yeah. I don't know. I if it weren't Miami of Ohio, if Miami of Ohio had a stronger running game, and maybe they do. You know, it's still early. They have Rashad Amos from South Carolina, who is a big back, um, and UMass kind of can struggle with that at times, but. I don't think their run game is scary enough where UMass can't do better. So that's the only reason why I'm fairly confident. I think I would just add something. I don't think we talked about this in the Miami of Ohio section of the preview, but their offensive line might be the other biggest weakness in the team where, you know, they have great quarterback, great wide receiver core and great defense, but running back and offensive line, I mean, they suffered a lot against Miami. Obviously, that's not a that's not the right, you know, comparison point if you're going to predict a UMass score based on that game. But right, it's still that's where UMass could make their big money. You know, like yeah, taking and- advantage of that of that mismatch in with their. Uh, Geez, I'm making myself a mess. With their <laughs> defensive line against Miami of Ohio's offensive line, right. it's, it's just a bunch of transfers and plugins and people that they've lost. And I think that's that's a, a point of emphasis for for UMass for sure. Well, yeah, and the reason why I f- feel fairly confident is I I just I don't trust the Miami of Ohio offense to put up big numbers because when UMass is not going well, they can give up points in bunches. I don't think that Miami of Ohio really poses that threat. Who knows? Maybe I'm going to be shooting myself in the foot right now, but I don't. I really think that you know Brett Gabbert. He's solid, but I think he's kind of similar to Diego Pavia. Um, I think he takes care of the ball a little bit better, but other than that, they're very similar in terms of their skill sets. Um, And UMass handled Pavia pretty well, I thought. Well, that being said, I said it uh, week zero against New Mexico State. I'm a big believer in momentum. I think UMass comes into this game with a one-on-one record, of course. The tailgates, the home crowd, it's their first time being one and one with their home opener in quite a while. I don't know exactly the date, but there's so many people coming in. I think it's going to be the most anticipated home game for UMass. It's almost unfathomable how awesome and electric this game should be. It's it's going to be a lot of fun either way, and I think the fans are really going to bring it for UMass. And I think the Minutemen are going to come out, and they should put up a really good game here in an effort to go 2-1. and one. Yeah, And keep in mind, a lot of these UMass guys are fairly local in terms of like where they're originally from where they went to high school and stuff so a lot of them did end up going to bigger universities and transferring here um like when you think of pumachon connecticut guy duozier outside of boston guy i mean the list goes on i'm not gonna list everyone but i think that there's going to be a lot of anticipation it's going to be one of the most packed home games i think we've seen the rain may prevent that a little bit but obviously the families will still be there so i'm um, excited to see that let me just close off this preview episode by saying that the chance of precipitation is right now at 60 yep. percent more or less and the peak of it would be right around 3 30 p.m when the game kicks off with a humidity of 78 percent and you know like josh said i think this could play into umass's favor but uh yeah just definitely something to keep an eye on for for the matchup absolutely so that will conclude this episode of the football show on 91.1 wmua sports tune in saturday at 3 30 for the home opener if you can't make it but 
definitely try to go out to McGurk Alumni Stadium and, as Don Brown would say, give this team a shot. So that'll do it. I'm Josh Schreiber. Alongside me has been Pedro Gray Suarez, Jacob Repper, John Ruggiero, and Brennan McGrevy. We'll see you next time.